You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Well, Shank, we... um. I don't remember exactly which episode it was, but Debbie, when we went through shrapnel with Debbie, she um, she wanted to see if we could come up with a replacement for the slogan, it works if you work it. And so we put the challenge out to the audience and we got a fair amount of feedback and suggestions back. We got some good ones. We got some um, <laughs> X-rated. Um, X-rated ones, yes, that we're not going to disclose yet, but you can get them if you if you if you want them, we can email them to you. So let <laughs> us know if you want the X-rated ones emailed to you. Um, but we did get three of the same suggestions, and it actually comes right from the big book on page eighty-eight, and it says it works. It really does. So we're officially putting this out to the entire AA community worldwide. Um, this is really going to piss some people off because we did get some people that responded saying that, how dare we change a slogan or even consider it? And well, we're doing it anyway. It works. This it is, really does. This is probably where that kind of originated anyway. <laughs> That's right. So it works. It really does. Yep. That's there the new. Yep. So if you're saying uh, it works, if you work it, start Cut saying it this. It, yeah. Stop it. It works. It really does. <laughs> the other thing to let everyone know, we are um, meeting shrapnel has been very popular. So it's interesting that people migrate towards shrapnel instead of the actual solution. <laughs> but uh, that's, that, that's fine. We understand that's how things go. Um so we are, uh, Shank and Wayne are going to be guests on a podcast this coming Wednesday called The Meeting After the Meeting. So it's a live podcast. You can tune in on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. I It's called The Meeting After the Meeting Live. And you can get it on Zoom. We will get the information out on our Insta page or Graham uh, we may even email it out to uh, uh, to our email distribution list, but it's called the Meeting After the Meeting Live. They have an email address, T-M-A-T-M-L-I-V-E at gmail.com. T-M-A-T-M-L-I-V-E at gmail.com. But we are doing a meeting shrapnel segment. So the last 15 minutes of that podcast, they've asked to come on and uh, – do a meeting shrapnel segment. So we, uh, we've got three pretty popular shrapnels that we're going to uh, debate on Wednesday. So check it out. All right. Good to be with you this week. We've got a, uh, our guest today is Amanda. Amanda, how are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Things are going well. Yeah. Shanks over there smiling. So she's doing well. <laughs> President accounted for, yeah. Yep, we're all here. I'm here. Yep. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Amanda. 
I am sober. I have a sobriety date. Um, it is January 20th, 2011. Took my first uh, drink, I don't know, maybe junior high. Uh, snuck some out of a parent's fridge just out of curiosity. And as soon as I drank it, uh, it created a change in me. And uh, that mental obsession was on. Uh, the phenomenon of craving didn't occur right away. Uh, I didn't black out. I didn't drink the whole, I think it was like a box wine. Didn't drink all that right away. But I just couldn't wait to do it again. Like the mental obsession definitely happened immediately. And I uh, chased that for, for a long time. So I guess probably about age 13 to age 31 uh, when, I, when I got sober. And um, in that period of time, uh, ran into a lot of consequences that were insufficient. A normal person would have looked at some of the consequences I was facing. Um, got kicked out of high school, flunked out of college, uh, lost my freedom, strained family relationships, stole from my parents. I mean, all of these things couldn't couldn't stay employed, and a normal person would be like, "Don't you have any had enough?" And um, for me, it was still fun. You know, it worked for me for a really long time despite the consequences and the consequences really became normal and uh book talks about our alcoholic life became the only normal one and uh, i could definitely identify with that everyone i hung out with had the same lifestyle as me it was normal to not work it was normal to drink all day and drink all night sleep all day drink for days on end um especially towards the end i became disgusting and dangerous antisocial and became very isolated. I went from being a social butterfly to uh, an unwelcome hanger on or even at the most sorted spots. <laughs> um, I was getting put out of places that most people wouldn't even want to go to. Um, and uh, yeah, I became alone and, and just isolated. And um, what I know, divine intervention, you know, I've been exposed to Alcoholics Anonymous by, by force, by compliance and had no interest in it and just kind of checked the box and went to it didn't do any work but luckily I'm real grateful for that because when I was ready I knew what Alcoholics Anonymous was so I'm really grateful for for these programs that force people to go to Alcoholics Anonymous because that was a really important part of planting the seed of my story I don't know if I ever would have known what it was if that was a, my first exposure and when I was ready to receive the message uh, I knew where Alcoholics Anonymous was and lo and behold you guys were saying the same stuff as you, you did 10 years before I just my heart was ready to receive the message. And uh, yeah, I was able to, uh, to find a, uh, live on a spiritual basis and, and, and work, work and apply the steps to my life. And, you know, so far so good. Um, able to match calamity with serenity on most days. So that's, uh, that's my story. That's a condensed version. That's the PG version. PG version. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, <laughs> they'll keep There's us definitely. on apple podcast if you keep it pg we have to check <laughs> explicit if uh, no, we don't need we don't need to get any ratings you start doing more than that shank what's our topic today today we are on step 11 so step 11 says sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out Step eleven. There's We're eleven there. episodes in. Step eleven. There is a lot in this step. Yeah. 
a lot. Amanda, you, uh, what's your experience with Step 11? Um, so I know I just mentioned when, when I was ready to receive the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I know for sure it was nothing that, that I had done. Um, I firmly believe that I was prayed into Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> for decades by loving people in my life who, who, who believed in prayer. And, uh, I'm convinced of that. And the experience I had was very, um, that of a sudden experience of, of a voice that pick up the phone and go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and one of the first, uh, I think I got a sponsor that, that first day or two. And when I, my, my first introduction to, to praying was that the sponsor told me, um, to get on my knees and say, please in the morning and thank you at night. I don't know if this is a, a, a regional thing where I'm from, but that seemed to be at the time what the instructions were. Say, please in the morning, thank you at night. And um, and that's what I did. And um, with that, started layering on some other things. Daily reflections was was a big thing at the group I got sober in. And so I started reading the daily reflections and I remember I'd be on my knees in the mornings and just say, please remove the obsession to drink. And I'd open up my daily reflections and I would read that and uh, go off to my meeting. And um, at night I was told to, to say thank you and I'd write a little gratitude list. And, and that's kind of my experience with, with praying at, at the beginning. And as I went through the steps, I remember there used to be a newcomers meeting. Um, I got sober at a clubhouse and there upstairs, there was a newcomers meeting um, on Friday and Saturday <laughs> nights. And really the only reason I went to this meeting is because that's the only meeting I could share at because it was a newcomers meeting. Uh, my sponsor uh, had no sense to know to tell me to kind of listen in the meetings because I like to talk and think I know everything. So I would go to this newcomers meeting, if nothing else, to run my mouth and, and ask questions. And whatever this question was at the newcomers meeting, um, it was about the third step and I hadn't even taken the third step yet. I was at new and like everybody in the room who had any kind of time knew this prayer by heart. And they all started saying the third step prayer. And I was very impressed. I was like, Oh, I've got to learn this prayer. So then I opened up my big book to where the, the prayer was. And I started to say that prayer in the mornings, even though I hadn't even taken the third step yet. Um, and more so just out of ego, right. Wanting to learn this prayer that everybody knew, um, <laughs> but whatever, you know, that listen, my ego drove yeah. me. <laughs> to do a lot of things um and and, it, and to me prayer wasn't that that foreign I grew up in church it was a positive experience um I have nothing negative to say about my experience growing up with church and praying and my parents had prayers with me at night and um you know it was very natural for when I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous to, to get back into a faith community um however um, the, you know, applying the idea of, of having uh, a power that works in my life to, to help me with all my problems. I learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, once I got through, um, the, some of the steps, um, there was obviously a power working in my life and, and on into like, unfortunately I didn't, you know, I'll get to this in a minute, but I didn't have anyone put me on page 86 and 87 until I actually got to the 11th step. Um, and so when I got there to page 86 and 87, where the 11 steps were written in our literature, um, I would then start incorporating the one part, divorce me from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motive. So that was kind of now a part of my praying. So I'd be 
thank you, you know, please, please keep me sober today, reading the daily reflections, and then saying that part of the 11 step prayer, and maybe the third step prayer, that was kind of what my prayers looked like in the morning. What I would then do is once I kind of got, got, you know, down the road in recovery, I'm thinking, you know, I hear a lot about this meditation, I should probably try that. And I would, you know, I think, do cop out and say, oh, I'm, I'm too ADHD to meditate or I can't sit still or, you know, I would just yeah. kind of do the prayer part and just disregard the meditation part because I would tell myself I can't meditate because I'm just not my thing. But then over time, I would then tell myself, um, so I run a lot and uh, I would wake up early and I mean, I'd go on these long runs or long bicycle rides or long swims. I was in triathlon. It's a gift of recovery, have fun in recovery and do things like that. That's my thing. Um, so I would tell myself through this, these hours of, of running and moving that that was my meditation. And I would share this in meetings. Like, I, w- I really believe that. And, and and I think that for me at the time, like, that's that's fine. I was living a happy, joyous, and free life. I, I was helping others. I was being a good person. And then I, I was free and happy, joyous, and free. And I think at the time, you know, the the adage of, you know, giving as much of yourself as you can to as much of God as you understand applied at this time in my life is that I was at the time it was sufficient, you know? Um, and so what really started happening is that the, um, that, you know, if we had failed to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life, that, that sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. So through the steps and through this, um, praying and, in in uh, meditating, um, you know, I developed that conscious contact with God, which to me is an awareness of God's presence in my life. That's so let me ask you when you were new, were you, were you texting your gratitude list to people? No, no, (laughs) I did not. No, I I actually, I've got like notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of, of gratitude. Like, cause I moved recently in December and actually threw all of them away. It was pretty impressive of like, Mm-hmm. decades of, of gratitude I actually thumb through them it's pretty interesting um, but you didn't like to have to text them to 11 people because you're on man, the 11th step at 11 o'clock or something group texts make me very unspiritual <laughs> hey come me on too. i was gonna i was gonna send you my morning meditations after today's episode and i was gonna start texting at you in the morning please don't <laughs> <laughs> i would put you on a resentment list very quickly. Block. Oh, uh, well, there you group, go. Group, group, group texts make me resentful. No, I didn't text anyone. Um, I think the, um, I think it was helpful in early recovery to do a gratitude list for myself because it's just that getting in that, that perspective of, of, uh, of being grateful instead of blaming everybody else. So it was helpful mm-hmm. for me, but, yeah. um, what that, what that turned into, and this was my way of working, you know, step six, seven, and 10 in my mind, probably about, I don't know, a few years into recovery. Um, I guess I kind of modeled it out of step 10 and the 12 and 12, where it says we made a list of our, our assets and our liabilities. And so the gratitude part, I'd have like a few bullet points on the left side with gratitudes. And then on the right side, I would review my day and make a bullet of that. And then I'd say the seven step prayer. And I was like, seemed like I was like working on character defects and doing an inventory. And it wasn't until literally like maybe a year and a half ago where I was talking to someone on the phone 
and I told them that I did this thing and I did that. Like I have notebooks of that too. And um, I was talking to someone on the phone and they said, well, that's the 11th step. And I was like dumbfounded. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is a 10 step, take an inventory, you know? And, 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 and sure enough, you know, I guess I missed that page 86 when we retire at night and we constructively review our day. And that's exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a, a definitely a shift in, in my uh, practice of the 11th step is that, I mean, I was doing the 11th step, but calling it the 10th step. I still do that. Sometimes I forget and I make some. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty common. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then what, what really changed, um, you know, and, and it, it's just, I think the flow of, 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 of the power and the, and the, the improve and that, that whole part of the step improving, you know, the conscious contact. And that's the part where I came to probably about a year ago, year and a half ago, where I realized like something just isn't sufficient anymore. Um, and I don't know if it was, um, I did have a, a very tragic instance happen in my life with my mother passing and that might've had something to do with it. But I think even before that, I was at that moment of my sobriety where I just needed more something different. I think we all kind of go through that. And I got a new home group and I got a new sponsor and um, really emphasize like the spiritual aspect. And that's really kind of what I was missing with step 11. Um, and then I really started dedicating. I started reading some Oxford group books and, and, and realizing this importance of, of this quiet time in the morning and actually really meditating and, and feeling that that power. And so that conscious contact was massively improved. And today when I take the time and, the, and I do, and this is my priority, it's like, I'm getting my marching orders for the day from my new employer. I'm getting my marching orders from, from, from God telling me, Hey, like, and, and, and I love it at the end of your podcast when you're saying freedom, because like the more I, I, I improve this conscious contact, the more free I am. And, and it's mm -hmm. been quite a journey this past year and a half where it's like, man, I can quit playing God. I have a new employer. I wake up each morning saying I'm open for business and, uh, you know, like yesterday, Sunday afternoon, I don't want to, my, my selfishness doesn't want to go do book work with a new lady at the, the halfway house. I want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix and chill. But because I wake up in the morning and have that conscious contact and get that awareness and that connection with that power flowing in me, it's just automatic. Like that's, that's what I do. And, and, and it, and it's amazing, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of what that looks like today. It's definitely been a uh, a journey this past year and a half um, of really digging in and, and, and the change is phenomenal um, of feeling that power on a daily basis. So. Well, Jay Wayne, tell me a little bit about your experience early on with the 11th step. Can you remember that far back? <laughs> <laughs> funny baby shank. <sighs> That's very funny. I, I uh, vaguely can remember that far back. How about that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so when Amanda was talking, I was thinking the, the, the guy that made a 12 step call on me when I was in detox and had been drinking that morning when he came and talked to me. One of the few things that I remember that he told me was that he, he told me when we got done talking that if I was willing, I should go back to the room and say a prayer and just said, ask for help. 
and I didn't have anything to lose. I'm sitting in a funny blue outfit on suicide watch. And I went back to the room and I said a prayer, please help me. And I don't know. I've been sober ever since. So that was my first kind of real introduction to, I guess, to AA prayer. And what my experience with it is I was immediately um, instructed to, to pray in the morning. And I'm like a lot of other people. My mind spun fast and was all over the place. And I was the guy that was just, I, mean, I woke up for two straight years, just full of fear, mostly for no reason. I don't know what it was about, but it was just, I just wrote up, woke up in fear that today's the day they're going to find out. Um, no one let me use that as an excuse for not trying. And what I did early on was I, and I was told to read one book. I don't know who I, I try to figure out. I don't know who told me that, but I was told, Hey, don't read a bunch of books. Your mind's already screwed up enough. And, um, so I would read one meditation book and I would sit quiet just for a few minutes and just ask, it was more of just ask for help. And I would try to think through my day and I don't know, I, it worked. I didn't, I, I would periodically sometimes throughout the day, maybe stop and walk outside and try to make a connection. And, um, I didn't really fully understand or know what, you know, improving and continuing and, you know, um, what God's will was. No, I, I didn't, but those simple instructions worked. I think I complicated it over the years as, uh, as I stayed sober. Um, but it was just simple reading a book, a, a simple thing. And I would try to focus on that throughout the day. And I, and I, I said a prayer in the morning and asked God to help me. It was probably just enough to get me through. <laughs> now, so, but I'm, so Shank, I'm curious, were you able to, um, when you were incarcerated, were you able to practice the, the 11th step? I mean, I mean, I know I, you know, having gone into prison a lot, I hear people, a lot of guys will say, man, we can't do that in here because people will look at us and watch us and we'll get shamed or shanked or. I was able to, you know, I remember just like telling all the women sponsor, all the other women that were writing to me and coming and visiting me, uh, by the way, AA members from my home group that I had for two months before getting incarcerated came to visit me at this maximum security prison. Um, and I remember telling them, like, you know, that's that's great. I'm probably not going to, like, uh, get on my knees and pray. I'll probably just, you know, maybe close my eyes or something on my bunk in the morning. And it wasn't so much that, like, I had to get on my knees to pray or say something out loud. It was, I was still very arrogant, even though I was incarcerated. So those women let me know like, Hey, if, if, if some of this arrogance can be squashed by you getting on your knees humbly and praying, then that's probably what you need to do. And so I begrudgingly did that. And my bunk makes, I was on a top monk, wasn't too impressed with that. She, <laughs> she didn't like that very much, but, uh, she tolerated it, you know, and 
she said, well, just you know, throw, throw a little prayer for good judgment in there for me, if you don't mind, since you're going to be down here next to my head praying. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, the book tells me as long as I'm not being selfish in my prayers. So I felt like that was probably doing a good deed. Go ahead, you know, throw, throw a little prayer in there for her. Um, but I was able to do this. I was also for sure uh, doing the most. You know, one thing about being in prison, at least where I was incarcerated, is, you know, it's pretty important that when you open your locker, that you have a bunch of stuff in there, letters and paper and books and uh, addresses. I mean, you just, you need to have a lot of stuff. And so I had several, you know, church related materials. I was doing Bible studies and sending in my work. And, you know, I was trying to do that with AA briefly, you know, not necessarily with the gratitude list, but I was trying to like send in, I, I'm pretty sure I can't find it. My first sponsor kept everything I wrote to her and it wasn't in there. It's probably a good thing, but I think I even pinned my own few prayers. Um, she says she doesn't remember, but I'm pretty sure that I wrote some, probably pretty powerful prayers. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I think that's a good idea. I have to imagine. (laughs) They were probably pretty great. Um, But I was able to do this and it was, you know, I mean, it says on 88, page 88, I believe that we allow God to discipline us. And this was very important for me to learn, you know, that I always thought that the discipline was the fact I was in prison and that was not the way God was disciplining me. I, I took every action that got me to prison. So those were just consequences of my actions the actual discipline was in forming and forming this relationship with a higher power, God, as I understood him yeah. and being willing to kind of take some action on things. Right. Yeah. I, um, I used to write the gratitude lists and I would journal. I hate to admit this. Um, <laughs> I, I would journal stuff out at night and, uh, I think it helped me. I don't know that it was mm-hmm. you know, necessarily, I mean, you could tie it to a step, but it probably was not a step. And I can remember writing out these, um, these columns of what God doesn't want me to be. And then doing mm. the opposite of what God wants me to be. Nice. Thinking, thinking that was tied into somehow tied into step 11. It probably wasn't. I don't think it hurt me any. Um, and I would do other stuff. Um, goat yoga and uh, <laughs> different different ceremonies and readings and stuff and think that was I would call it step 11 it probably wasn't I mean I don't it, it was good stuff it, it all helped me but I was sober several years before I I really realized how simple the 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 instructions are in the book if you apply them and I mean, it's pretty simple that we're we're trying to improve our contact with God. I guess a question would be, what is conscious contact with God? Does anybody, Amanda, you got any thoughts on if we're improving our conscious contact? I mean, what exactly does that mean? Now that I've stopped myself halfway through my story there. 
improving conscious contact is uh i would take that to mean conscious contact means you're aware right Con the word conscious means aware awake so you're you know and, and through the steps i mean each step um basically steps two through ten you know ten talks about we've we've now entered the, this world of the spirit so you've made that contact and then step 11 you're at a point where you're more aware of this presence and it talks about it in step 11 that you know what used to be the hunch or occasional inspiration is now the working part of your mind and i guess it to me kind of sums up what what a conscious contact is is that you're in tune with 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 this power that, that's working in your life and, and and aware of it so we're aware of the power yeah now it does say god gave us brains to use but I thought Clubhouse Joe says that our brains are diseased and we shouldn't be, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be using them. So what do you think about that? God gave us brains to use. Well, that's, that's pretty deep, isn't it? No, I mean, if you if you have a conscious contact with God, then you should be using your brains. I would think that yep. after doing all this work, you guys were telling me doing the book that, hopefully my brain's better and that I can employ my mental faculties under, under certain conditions, you know? Um, yeah. I think that looking at my own experience, my brain functions a lot better than it did those first 30 days. I would hope so. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the reality is we, we've, our willpower is we don't have any willpower when it comes to resisting the first drink, but we actually do have, willpower for other stuff and I, I but i think sometimes it's communicated in meetings that man you we're just weak and dumb and everything we do is a disaster and you can't do anything and this is saying that by the time we've taken those first nine steps that we've established that relationship and now we we should we function like normal people so shank here's a question for you all right. What did you What did you do this morning for step eleven? Well, this morning, I um, so I do have things. I'll say this: when I got out of prison, and I've said this in several um, episodes, I think, is I thought I was missing out on something. Now, I did have like non AA things that I did in the morning and at night while I was incarcerated. It did help me grow relationship with God, but it was always the members of AA always made sure to tell me like, you know, um, it says in here, like if you have something from a religious denomination that requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So it wasn't that that was supposed to replace what I was trying to do. Now, when I got out of prison, I just thought I missed out on so much. Like there are so many daily readers that I didn't have and, I was just like reading every morning meditation book I can find, like all in the same but, morning. So when you say you thought you were missing out, you mean because you were locked up and you didn't have access to stuff that other AA members had access to? Yes. I got you. Okay. Keep going. And and people, well, <laughs> because sometimes some of the members of AA, not all of them, a few, would bring in this message of like, I did this other non-AA, I'm pretending like it's AA thing. And, 
you all just need to have it in this facility or you can't stay sober like I have. And I, you know, I learned that was all BS. All I needed was the book, which I had, but yes, when I got out of prison, I really thought I had missed out and that my sobriety could be better if I did all this extra stuff. And for a few years, I did extra stuff. I don't know that I did all of it necessarily in the name of AA, but it was a lot of, I mean, like an hour or more of just like stuff. And I still spend quite a time, quite a lot of time in prayer and meditation. But I would tell people at that time, like, I spend an hour. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Like, Oh, it just like makes me feel so gross saying it to you all, you know, like, but I really thought that I was accomplishing something like I was graduate level AA or I don't know. And people around me were like, that's amazing. So today, you know, I, I like to get up early. I'm a morning person. I've arrived at that after several years of saying it's not true. And so I do spend, you know, a lot of time in prayer meditation in the morning. But as far as AA goes, I answer these questions. Yeah. You know, like I, I ask God to be helpful to others. You know, I answer these questions. I have a book that's on my desk in my office at home. It is actually my prison book. That I have my AA book that I had while I was incarcerated. And there are all kinds of like really fun notes in there of just crazy stuff that is not AA. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Um, yeah. So I have, a, I have a question about that when we retire at night questions. Yeah. It doesn't say to write them down. Do you think that is that optional? Do you do it in your head as you're drifting off? Do you? write it down do you force yourself to stay up an extra 10 minutes and just really really think about these things or just kind of go through it through your day these are so i can tell you i've done both so i have actually and there's a there's a there's a book that i don't know if it's available or you used to be able to get this like this i swear i think they call it the 10 step book but it was really the 11th step but it had those it had the questions in each page, you may have seen it and you could write that, you could answer those questions. So I've done that. I don't think it implies that. I think it, it's probably something that was intended to do in your head. And if needed with another person, mm-hmm. right. If it needed to be discussed, you would, you would talk to another person about it. The other interesting thing about those questions is they are, they are identical, not identical. They, they are in line with the 10th step questions, if you look at them. So it's kind of like, hey, we know you didn't do this during the day. So we're going <laughs> to, right? We're going to hit you with it right now to make sure you're done because it's, it's, it's really the same things. Um, I used to get the question a lot too. Why, why does, why is that on step 11 and why is it there in the book? It's the, the answer is in the book from step three all the way up to here. It's like, it's a perpetual motion. So 
they did all that like at once. So when you made a decision, you immediately went into confession or inventory, confession. You did that six and seven step prayer and made another affirmation to God. And then when you went home, you would do this like immediately. They didn't want any wiggle room in there for us to get way off track. Wow. So, um, so I don't know. Have you now? I also know this is where Shank mentioned it. I know guys all over the country that they'll, they'll text those questions to like group groups at night, their answers to those questions. Just, uh, I think it's like for accountability. And I understand that it just, that is not AA. And so I always come so hard at things that are not AA because my first year in sobriety year in a few months, I was incarcerated. And when I got out, I was hearing all of these things like thinking I missed out on something or I hadn't done something right. You know, I was told by a man and a group that my time in prison didn't count because I couldn't drink or do it. There weren't any drugs or alcohol in prison, you know, yeah. it was just like crazy stuff. And so it took a while to kind of sort it out. And I just want to make sure that people know that that is not AA. It may be helpful, yeah. but like that is not re required. Your sponsor may require it, which is a totally different yeah. thing. I guess. Yeah. One thing that kind of leads in about these group texts and accountabilities, and it says it right here, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? And and I just think this as well, and, and speaking of sponsorship, it's like that to me, that's this extension of the, the spirit of the fifth step. It's like if you're current with your sponsor, your spiritual advisor, whoever you're leaning on, if you're current with this person on what's going on in your life, like that's already taken care of itself, but you should be already talking i think talking to this person about about yeah. that and, and it's a to me it's that extension of that fist step you know really yep yeah i would agree with that so if we follow so, these instructions what you got shane go ahead if we follow these instructions when we wake up in the morning we immediately ask god to direct our thinking and remove selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear. I don't have the book in front of me, whatever that says. So we're clearing our mind to think through our day. And we think about our day. We've kind of visualized what we're doing. We're asking God for inspiration and intuitive thought. And then that's the meditation. And then we conclude that period of meditation with a prayer. Right? And then we pray. There's a prayer in the book. Or there's some writing in the book that we could turn into a prayer. And once we get done praying, we go about our day. Now, then it says, this is my favorite part of the book. Could be the most important part in the book. Shank gets tired of hearing that. The uh, I say it about. If you're ever in a big book study with Jay Shane, Wayne, he uh, will say that every other sentence. I don't think I've ever done that. The, um, so then it says, as we go through the day, we pause hmm. when agitated or doubtful. Or doubtful. Yes. Or doubtful. Yeah. I think a lot of people stop. I hear this so much of like, pause when agitated, pause when agitated. Yeah. Or doubtful. Or doubtful. Yep. Yeah. So that's 
basically resentment and fear, right? I guess. I think so. And like, I have experiences like this all the time. And when I was reading back through that, I mean, just this weekend, there was, you know, a situation where the details don't matter, but someone told me something basically that I should make amends to someone else. It was a whole thing. And immediately I just wanted to like fly off the handle, but instead I just said, no, walked away, asked for help, talked to someone else about it and moved on. Right. Why do people always want to tell you that you owe other people amends? I do. <laughs> Send them to me, Shank. I'll take care of them for you. Seems to be yeah. a pattern. What's going uh, on? Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it happens. But the interesting part is it's kind of like they already know that, that throughout the day we're going to be agitated and doubtful all the time because then it goes on to say, then we say many times each day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like That's a right. given that, that, that we're going to be agitated and doubtful all the time. Yes. But frequently throughout the day, even though we've like, you know, cleared our minds and, and gotten gotten some meditation in as just uh, the way the ways of the world. Right. Yeah. So in both steps 10 and 11, it says we should remind ourselves many times throughout the day that thy will be done, not mine. So we're, we're constantly reminding ourselves that we've turned our will and our life over to, to God. We're not running the show. So the, the pause speaking from experience can help you to not have to make so many amends while you're sober. If you can learn to pause before opening your mouth or taking some kind of crazy action, it really helps you to stop making foolish decisions. Am I the only person when I catch myself pausing, I'm like, good job. Like, <laughs> I mean, not every time, but sometimes if a thought's in my brain and I actually like catch myself not saying it because <clears throat> I realize it's not the right thing to say, I'm like, all right, cool. Something's working. <laughs> not like an ego way, just in a like, cool, like something's changing. <laughs> I, I have caught myself uh, pausing and then people commenting, like, well, you're not saying anything. And me being like, if I said what I was thinking, you wouldn't like that. <laughs> like, are you having a stroke? Yes. <laughs> I've arrived at not that. saying that part either now. Just, you know. Yeah. People but. don't know how to act when you sit there and you just pause and you just kind of look at them with no response. It really mm. throws them off or mm. makes them mad. Absolutely. Trying to get something out of you. Well, eleven is pretty simple if we just follow the instructions. Yeah, I like too in here where it talks about how like we don't tire so easily because we're not just burning up energy, going around being dramatic or being in the drama or you know whatever the case may be. Because I have really found that to be true. I can get more accomplished. You know, I mean, I've been sober for 10 years. I was pretty young when I got sober. You would think I would have much more energy and want to do things. But as the years go on, like, I'm always amazed at the amount of things I can be involved in effectively and work and, you know, be a part of AA as a whole and help people that are not necessarily an A or be a member of my neighborhood or whatever the case may be. Like, I do find that, um, when I start to feel like I'm doing too much 
or, you know, why are all these people so stupid and they don't like my plans? Typically, um, it's because I'm not practicing as well in this step, I think. Yeah. Which can also happen. Like, I'm not perfect. Well, remember, it works. It really does. <laughs> I think that I think that brings us to meeting shrapnel. We're up we're up close to it, Shank. What is uh what's our first uh first one? All right. Meeting shrapnel. Number one. The newcomer is the most important person in the room. Amanda? This is probably my biggest uh, pet peeve, whatever you want to call it. But, um, when I was a newcomer, I totally agreed with it, right? So it was important. <laughs> sure. Favorite thing when they said that. Uh, Today, it's the total opposite. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people with untreated alcoholism with 20 years sitting in the rooms, miserable, you know, just restless, you're discontented. And, and to be honest, like those are the people I run to, man, because I've seen the outcome of that and it's not good. And they're, unfortunately, Alcoholics Anonymous is filled with them, um, filled with them. So I think that's a major, like I know, um, kind of maybe the baseline on is it harmful or not? That's super harmful, super harmful. Um, untreated alcoholism is rampant, doesn't matter how much time you have. Um, I think the newcomers are almost probably in a better position <laughs> than the people with 10, 15 years of untreated alcoholism. That's my two cents on that. Get rid of it. Jay Wayne. Man, Amanda, Amanda just slammed that one. There's like no, Love it. There's no wiggle room to even convince her otherwise. Hey, this came straight from Narcotics Anonymous. It's in one of the readings. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's in one of the readings. Huh. And it's completely inaccurate. How did I, I not know that? Well, I can send it to you after the after the meeting here. Yeah, but after know. all of the times that I've complained about this, and you've never mentioned to me that it's from... Narcotics Anonymous. I didn't think about it until it just hit me a minute ago. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where this one came from, but yeah, it's in there. And it's just, it's just not true. I mean, I understand that the, if they're saying that we need new people to keep the fellowship alive, then I, I could buy into that. But to say that the newcomer is the most important person in the room, it's just not true for a number of reasons. If you believe in the concept of God, God believes all people are equal, I would think, and that all, you know, that we're all equal. If you believe in our traditions, you know, the first tradition basically says that we're all, we're all equal and we're all unified. And, you know, my experience is similar to Amanda's. I, heck, I met with a guy last week that's been sober over 20 years. He's in way worse shape than some of the new people I'm working with. And it's just, yeah. And we all, we all need help and we all, Oh, the good news is we're not all sick at the same time. Um, but thank God, <laughs> thank God for that. But it's just a it's just a dumb statement. I think. I mean, you don't know who. I mean, we're yeah, we're all important. How about that? 
<laughs> you got any thoughts on it, Shane? What are you going to? Uh, I don't. I just, I was, I, in AA, the old timers are the ones that um, I've always preferred to be around. And I have seen old timers really struggle through some stuff. Yeah. And it's not that I was sponsoring them, but it was that I was showing up, you know, and um, I do think that it's been such a gift to hear people that have 20, 30, 40 plus years still kind of having some struggles. Um, and it's not that I want to see them struggle, but it's just being able to be part of that solution too and yeah. see that they're not deemed white as snow and uh, that they do still also help newcomers. So it's like, if you don't have old timers, you don't have newcomers. If you don't have people that have been sober for an amount of time, like this thing will cease to exist. Yes. So whether or not they're the most important, I don't know, but I'm not the one that's going up to the newcomer, like sign up to be in my home group immediately. I, I you're an alcoholic. Don't you know, no one comes to an AA meeting unless they're an alcoholic and eat it. Um, so no, I don't think they're the most important. Scrap it. Okay. Scrap it, Amanda. Scrap it. All right. Scrap it. It's out of here. What's the next one, Shane? Number two. <laughs> this one cracks me up. I may have another drunk in me, but I don't have another recovery. Oh, man, where does this stuff come from? Amanda, what do you think about that one? I may have another drunk in me, but I don't have another recovery. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times. I think that that's coming from people who probably have a lot of experience with um, rehabs. And, and by that, I mean probably just using that as a form of treating their alcoholism. <laughs> And so, right. in that context, it makes sense that they would be saying that. Um, I don't, I don't uh, think it's. I, I get why people say that in the extreme of like, yeah, I mean, you know, I may not basically saying if I relapse again, again, right? If I relapse again, I may die and not come back, um, which is is true for a lot of people. So, I think there's some truth to it. I don't think it's saying it's helpful in any way shape or form i think it gives indication to new people that that's like part of the plan it's just fear-based yeah. you know it's this fear-based stuff of like your disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups and you're not gonna have another recovery in you and if you drink you're gonna die and i do understand like where all these things come from but I, I, to me, this is kind of saying like, well, if I drink again, I'm going to go on to the bitter end. Whether that means death or not, it could just be being a drunk the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. How would you know if you have another recovery in you? The key would be not to find out. <laughs> right. So take the steps right. and try to yeah trust God and help people and, and never find out would be a better uh, you know, a better direction. I just like lived in fear 
uh, while I was drinking. So like, I don't want to be sober living in fear of like, maybe I'm going to take another drink. Maybe I'm not, maybe I don't have another recovery in me. It's just like that fear-based crap that I don't like. Yeah. Like I'm secure in who I am in my relationship with God and I'm a recovered alcoholic. That doesn't mean that I can drink. Right. It means there are some things that I have to do. Yeah. Why, the funny it. thing about this one is why would you ever even say it? I mean, why, I mean what, I mean, what, why would it ever come up as something to actually say? Is that along the line, like one's too many and a thousand's never mm -hmm. enough? Yeah, it's we, along the same line. Just in another, you know, book that we're not aware of, maybe. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there may be. We should write <laughs> one, maybe. You I could feel be like right. someone who would say that may not have, you know, really done, you know, done had a had a spiritual awakening. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Say mm -hmm. that yeah. had a spiritual awakening. What do you think, Jay Wayne? You keeping it? No, I'm a scrap. Scrap it. Amanda? Scrab it. Scrab it. It's out of here. All right. We're on a roll today. What's the next one? <laughs> this. <laughs> All right. Shrapnel number three. God looks out for drunks and children. So, <laughs> I think that's kind of a given. Does it need to be stated out loud in a meeting? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's not. It's not one that I don't think you hear it much anymore. Although we did just hear somebody say it. Um, but you used to hear a lot of older speakers, a lot of speakers that got sober in like the 60s or 70s that would say it a lot. You'd hear this, God looks out for drunks and children. And then you'd hear uh, seconds and inches, which we need to add to the list. We, we just heard that one too. We did. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've never heard this with a spin on it though. I think is when people close the meeting with a prayer and they say, let's have a moment of silence for all the babies that are suffering from this disease. So, so I mean, it's, it's along those lines, but I've never heard this exact statement. So this may be out of our generation, Jay Wayne, this is probably more your, your generation, but apparently people are still oh. saying it, but, but the, the co comparable one I would have is, and, and then, then the chant after would, the, the appropriate response seems to be like, God bless the babies. <laughs> and then you go into your closing prayer. Right. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, well, I just head. have big trouble with all with this one entirely. Because, and it's not funny, but it's just like, I don't know. Um, it just sounds like to me, uh, personally, maybe it's just a Susie thing, but, you know, does that mean God wasn't looking out for me when I was a child and there was a lot of crazy stuff going on right. in my household? Does that mean yeah. that God wasn't looking out for me as a drunk when I got in a car wreck and harmed two other people? And, you know, like, I just, it makes it sound like, you know, God's looking out for the drunks and the children and nothing ever bad's going to happen to them because they're, they're a drunk or they're a child. 
Yeah. You know? And that just was not my experience. So. Yeah, because the reality is a lot happened to me as a child that probably shouldn't have happened. And a lot right. happened to me when I was drunk that probably shouldn't have happened. So I guess this particular God wasn't looking out for me. Everyone know. but I, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's silly. I, I think it's just a way to say like, okay, you know, we're here, we made it here, but there are people that don't. Yeah. So it's just kind of like one of those one-sided things that, you know, could be easy just to say because I made it to AA, but it is not my experience. Is it comparing drunks to children? Is that what this is, it, is that what it means? Is it drunks are in the same class as children, maybe? I don't know. Which Well, it does. It does kind of imply that. It does. That just occurred to me. I'm sitting here really trying to process what this thing means. Um, That's another reason to get rid of it. Yeah. It's out of here. It's classing children with drunks. <laughs> Scrap it. Scrap it? Shank? Scrap it. It's out of here. Well, we got uh, none of those had even had a chance with this crowd. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny because go ahead. With the challenge, it works really does. So does that mean it's okay if people start chanting that then after the meeting? Which one? So that's what the, the it works. It really does now that that's been approved. Um, yes. Does that mean it's acceptable to chant at the end? Like it, it works if you it's, work it. So work it, you're worth it. So yes. it's, it's Shank that. and Wayne sanctioned. Absolutely. As long as you're still holding hands and you hold them a little tighter when you chant it. That's right. We got to squeeze yeah. the heck out of the hands. Okay. And shake right. them a few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Alcoholics Alive has sanctioned. It works. It, it really works. Does. It really practice. does. We have to practice this one. Okay. Yes. And you know that the, the acronym for Alcoholics Alive. You see what that is, don't you? It's AA, baby. How about that? It's AA. <laughs> Laura, we're going to get some comments on that one. Somebody's going to write GSO. Yeah, they're going to. Oh, they've already done all that. They, <laughs> yeah, we've gotten some feedback. We've they've, they're they're leaving us alone right now. Those letters don't have any depth and weight. It's just frothy emotional appeal. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop sending them. Save the ink. Sidebar: Somebody emailed i was in a foreign country I'm not going to name it and trying to work some AA people and the guy was emailing gso and signed the the email president of aa in liberia and i was waiting i'm like when are they gonna nothing <laughs> anyway no. you guys are good you're good you're nice. good to go well amanda we've enjoyed having you on we appreciate you sharing your experience with us on step 11 thanks for having me it's been, been good thank you for the work you're doing on the podcast it's great Yep, you're welcome. And remember, because of partially because of Step 11, we're free today. Freedom! Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.